Good morning, Glen Allen. What a joy to see everyone here today and to uh, be able to have part in this worship, to remember all the goodness of the Lord and all the blessings that he's given to us. I have a question for you. What does it look like to humble yourself before God? We just sang a song that said, humble yourself before God. We just heard a scripture read that says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. But what does that look like? I think we all understand perhaps more clearly what it means to humble ourselves before other people. When we count other people as being better than ourselves, we're humbling ourselves. When we consider the needs of others ahead of our own needs, we are humbling ourselves. But then in verse 6 of 1 Peter 5, Peter says, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Now we know God is greater than we are, so that's not even on the table. God doesn't have any needs that we need to put his needs ahead of our needs. So what does it look like to humble ourselves under his hand? I suppose it could mean a lot of things. It could mean obeying him, for one thing, worshiping him as we're doing today, Verbally acknowledging his greatness, all of these things would be humbling ourselves before him. But I want you to notice in the text, we're looking at just two verses this morning, that Peter connects humbling ourselves before God with something that we might not think of, and that is casting our anxieties on him. We humble ourselves before God when we cast our anxieties on him, Peter says. Notice the way the verses flow. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Anxiety is the common lot of the human condition. It goes by a lot of names, doesn't it? We talk about stress, tension, worry, fear, distress, uh, being apprehensive, being strung out, being stressed out, on and on and on. We've got a lot of terms for it because we all experience it, don't we? I don't know about you, but I, I know that I do. I, I discovered a number of years ago that um, there are certain forms of anxiety that are perhaps unique to preachers. And now that may come as a surprise to you, but... For me, it shows up in my dreams. And being a preacher, it'll show up in my dreams about preaching. And sometimes I'll have these dreams, and I don't even realize that I've been anxious about something, and then the dream itself will cause me to realize I've been anxious. One of those dreams is, it will seem like all night long while I'm asleep, I am supposed to preach before a very large audience of people. And finally, the moment comes, and I stand in front of them and remember that I didn't remember to prepare anything <laughs> and have nothing to say. Another one is that I'm supposed to preach before that large audience of people, and I get up, and there's nobody there. <laughs> Another one is that I'm, I know I'm about to go and preach, and I can't find my pants. <laughs> And I'll spend all night long looking for my pants. 
Now, just in case you're wondering, I keep my pants in the same place all the time. I know where they are, but in the dream, you know, and I'll just go from place to place in the dream looking for them, which gets quite embarrassing because I have no pants, you see. So all that's just a form of anxiety, and I thought, when that first started happening to me years ago, I, I thought, well, wow, you're really a mess, and that, that may still be the case, but I was reading in a book about preaching, and the, the author of the book talked about anxiety dreams that preachers have, and he talked about some of those very same things. I don't think he admitted the pants one, but, but the others he did admit. So we are all subject to anxiety of various kinds. For some, it is a serious emotional problem. It's been estimated that more than one-fourth of all American adults experience severe anxiety at times. Severe anxiety, what we might call clinical anxiety or a general, generalized anxiety disorder. But we're all anxious sometimes. We're anxious about our, our loved ones. We're anxious about the economy. We get anxious about war. We get anxious about potential war. We get anxious about being left alone. We get anxious about um, the future. We get anxious about our health. And, and have you noticed there are some people in our society who seem to have a career of making the rest of us anxious. You notice that? They're just always telling us stuff that's supposed to make us anxious. And usually the reports in something like this, here's the way that it is, but it could get much worse. And, and so that's the last thing we hear, it could get much worse. I haven't heard any of those folks say, here's the way things are, but I'm convinced things are gonna get better. They're just constantly feeding us this anxiety-producing sort of stuff. Well, Peter says, if we're humble toward God, one thing that we will do is cast our anxieties on him. Now, the word that he uses in the original for cast is the same word the Gospels used to describe people casting their garments on that donkey that Jesus rode into Jerusalem for the final time. They threw their garments, or they cast their garments on, on a beast of burden. And Peter says, cast your anxieties on him. Cast your anxieties on God. In the same way that those people cast their garments on their, that beast of burden. Cast them on him and let him carry them. Cast them on him because he is able to carry that load much better. And cast them on him rather than trying to carry it ourselves. Now, you might be wondering, what's humble about that? What's humble about that? And here's what's humble about that. We will cast our cares on God when we are convinced that he is better able to carry them than we are. If we're not convinced that he's better able to carry them than we are, we'll keep carrying them ourselves. We won't cast them on him. But when we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, we will cast our anxieties on him, knowing that he can carry them much better than we can do. Peter says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. He is all-powerful. There is not anything he cannot handle or do. Steve was reminding us in the adult class Wednesday night about the VBS song, Our God is so big. So strong and so mighty, there's what? Nothing our God cannot do, all right? He's powerful, he's mighty, so he can handle 
anything that we're worried about. He can handle anything that causes us anxiety. Now, that's been demonstrated over and over in Scripture. We've been reading in our class on Sunday mornings about Jesus casting out demons in the fourth chapter of the Gospel of Luke. And there's two words that are used to describe the reaction of the people when they saw Jesus casting out demons. They said, with authority and power, he commands the unclean spirits, and they obey him. That's what amazed the people. They saw the authority and the power of God working through Jesus. They saw the authority and the power and were caused to believe there's not anything he can't do. And that's the trust that we're supposed to have. We are supposed to cast all of our burdens on him because we are persuaded there is not anything that he cannot do. And notice that Peter says, cast all your anxieties on him. All of them. You know, sometimes I think we think, well, I'm, I'm kind of worried about this. I'm kind of anxious about this, but it's no big deal. So I'll just keep worrying about it. Or we think that something is so great, maybe in the back of our minds, we're wondering, can even God handle this? Can even God do anything about this? And so we're prone to hold on because we think our burdens are too large or because we think our burdens are too small. And yet Peter says, cast all your anxieties on him. And the tense of the verb that he uses suggests doing it once and for all. Cast those burdens on him and leave them there. We all, I think, have the same tendency, don't we? We will cast our burdens before God. We will lay our burdens before the Lord. We will take them to him in prayer. And then the next thing you know, we've got them back again. We've picked them back up ourselves. We've taken them from him and we're trying to carry them ourselves. Because we do not absolutely trust that God is going to take care of that. We do not absolutely trust that God is able or that he's willing to take care of the anxieties that we have. So we pick them back up for ourselves rather than leaving there. It's like asking a child to carry in a bag of groceries and then thinking, well, that's a little too much for him, and so we take the bag of groceries back. When you're talking about a child, that's okay. When you're talking about God, it's an insult. We lay our burdens on him and we pick them back up. Peter says, cast all of your anxieties on him Leave them there because he cares for you. 18th chapter of Luke, verses 9 to 14, gives us an excellent example of humbling ourselves and an excellent example of not doing so. It's the old parable that Jesus told about the Pharisee and the tax collector. Two men went up to the temple to pray, Jesus said, one a Pharisee and one a tax collector. And if we were living in Jesus' time, automatically just saying who those men were would send all kinds of signals to us. The Pharisee is going to be super righteous. He's going to be hyper-concerned not to violate the law of God. He's going to be very meticulous about keeping the law. The tax collector, on the other hand, is unclean. He's dishonest. He's to be looked down on. He's considered a scoundrel by everybody around him. So you've got two very different kinds of men who go into the temple to pray at the same time. The tax collector, Jesus said, stands apart, stands by himself, and he prays this way. He says, God, I thank you 
that I'm not like other men. I, I fast and I tithe, and, and I especially thank you that I'm not like that tax collector over there. Not one word does he utter about his needs. Not one word does he utter asking forgiveness. Not, not one word does he utter even saying, give me this day my daily bread. It's all self-congratulation. He doesn't, he doesn't ask God for anything because he doesn't think he needs anything. He thinks he's so righteous that he just appears before God to say, thank you for making me such a wonderful individual. On the other hand, the tax collector, Jesus said, stands far off. He stands far off because tax collectors were always far off from everybody because nobody wanted to be around them. You remember how Jesus got criticized for eating with tax collectors. He stands far off there in the temple and he won't even look up. But he beats himself on the breast and he says, God, have mercy on me a sinner. He doesn't congratulate himself at all. He knows who he is. He knows what he is. He knows that without the mercy of God, he is hopeless. He knows he is totally dependent on that mercy. He had sins that he could not bear, but he knew that God could. And so he just said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus concludes the parable by saying that everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and the one who humbles himself will be exalted. He said it was the tax collector who went home justified, right with God, not the other man, not the Pharisee. One went home justified, the other one did not. Why? Because one was willing to cast his burdens completely on God and say, I can't do this, I can't handle this, I'm too weak, I'm too sinful. And the other one said, I can handle everything in my life. Now, sins are one kind of burden that we need to give to the Lord. But Peter is inviting us to cast all, all of our anxieties on the Lord. Both require humility before God. Both require the spirit of the tax collector, not of the Pharisee. Paul said something similar to what Peter says in his letter to the Philippians, in Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7, he says, do not be anxious about anything. Boy, that really hits, doesn't it? Do not be anxious about anything. And we read that and we think, how in the world are we going to not be anxious about anything? And I think the point is don't go on being anxious about anything. Don't be, continue being anxious about anything. But he says, instead, in everything, with thanksgiving, with prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Don't be anxious about Don't go on being anxious about anything. Give it all to God, he says, through prayer and supplication. That's how we cast our burdens on him, isn't it? That's how we do it. So when we're concerned about it, when we're worried about it, when we're anxious about it, pray about it. Give it to God and leave it there. 
And it's not necessarily a one-time thing. We ought to leave the burden there, no doubt about that. But every time we find ourselves getting really anxious, we ought to pray and give our burdens back to the Lord. If we find that we've picked them back up, pray again and give them back to God. And apologize for not trusting Him and trying to take them on ourselves. Paul says, the peace of God will be the result. What a wonderful promise. The peace of God that passes all understanding will keep your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Peter has a different promise. Look at this verse, verses 6 and 7. So that the power, uh, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Not now, not now, for now we live in a toxic world, don't we? We live in a toxic world. It's toxic to our faith. It's toxic to our trust in God. It is an anxiety-inducing world. It's an anxiety-inducing world. It was in 1947 that W.H. Auden wrote his poem, The Age of Anxiety. 1947, he wrote that. And we've been living in the age of anxiety all that time, haven't we? People are characterized by anxiety. But we don't have to be. We can give that anxiety to the Lord. The promise is that in due time, God will exalt those who humble themselves before him, who trust him enough to cast all of our anxieties on him. But here's the best part of all. You can do that. You can cast all your anxieties on him, Peter says, because he cares for you. Because he cares for you. You remember Jesus' parable of the Good Samaritan? How the man fell among robbers and was beaten and robbed and left for dead? You remember that before the Samaritan, the hero of the story, got to that man and bound up his wounds and put him on his own donkey and took him to an inn and paid, gave his credit card number to the innkeeper so whatever expenses were incurred would be on him. Before he did that, two other people came by. Two very religious people, two religious leaders, a priest and a Levite. And they both saw him, they looked at him lying there, and they passed by on the other side. Why did they do that? Why did they see the man lying there and not even bother to go and see if they could do anything? Why did they do that and not even bother to go and see if he's alive or dead? Because they didn't care. On some level, I guess they cared. They, they probably saw him and thought, wow, that poor sap, I'm glad that didn't happen to me. Or I wish that hadn't happened to him. Or isn't it a shame that there are robbers around doing stuff like that? You know, they could have had some of those thoughts, but they didn't care enough to do anything. They cared more about maintaining their ritual purity so that when they got to Jerusalem, which was their destination, they could go into the temple and they could function in the ways that they had been appointed to do. But in, in the process, they were willing to leave that man there and possibly die. They really didn't care. But the Samaritan did. He couldn't pass by. He couldn't pass by because he cared. And so he stopped, and he bound up the man's wounds, and he poured on oil and wine, all that he had to, for first aid. And he put him on his own animal, and, and while he walked some distance and took him to an inn, 
paid all of his expenses because he, he cared about him. Now, Jesus didn't tell that parable in order to say God is like the Samaritan. He told the parable in order to say this is what you and I ought to be like. Nobody should be so much a stranger to us, so much a non-neighbor, that we, we would be unwilling to help them even to save their lives. But it does give us a portrait of God. Why should God care that we live in a toxic world? Why should he care that we struggle to maintain faith and that sometimes we are abused for our troubles? Why should God be concerned about that? Why should he be concerned that we are burdened with sins that we can't remove ourselves? Why should he care that we are anxious and troubled by so many things? But Peter says he does. He does care. That's the marvelous good news. And because he does care, because we know that he does, then we can unburden ourselves by casting our anxieties on him, and he will gladly take them for us. He will gladly pick up those individual, those anxieties. Now, our, our individual, our personal anxieties may be different. I doubt that very many of you dream all night about trying to find your pants because you've got to preach the next day. Our anxieties may be different. But that being the case, we all share a common one. And that common anxiety is what do we do about our sins? What do we do about our sins? What do we do? What do we do about that day when we breathe our last breath? And we stand before God who is all holy and face him in judgment. What do we do about that anxiety? What do we do about that fear? We do just what 1 Peter 5 says. We cast that anxiety on God because through his son, Jesus, he bears it for us. If you back up in 1 Peter to 1 Peter 2 and verse 24, here's what Peter said there. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. Did you catch that? He has already borne your burden of sin. He's already borne your burden of sin. The question now is, what he's waiting for now is to see if you trust him. If you trust him enough to carry that burden for you. If you trust him enough to turn to him in faith and in repentance. And if you trust him enough to humble yourself, to be baptized into his name, and you humble yourself to walk before him day by day so that the burden that he has borne for you is not for nothing. You can do all of that today. And you should for one reason. He cares for you. Let's stand together and sing.